Hey you guys, welcome to the Main and Magic Podcast, your stop for all things Disney. I'm your host Dawn Brown and this is episode number 16. Whether you're adventuring in the parks or at home via Disney Entertainment, I'm here to bring you the guests and info that'll pixie dust your experience and we're picking up lots of new friends along the way. You can catch the links to our audio recordings via our website at mainandmagic.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Just search for the Main and Magic podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Main and Magic, and after the show, we invite you to join our community on Facebook to share your thoughts about each topic and to connect with other Disney fans. Today, we're going back in time to 1978 and the first Disney Park visit for a young couple, my parents, that would kick off generations of magic. My dad joins me to talk about growing up seeing Disneyland on TV, what he remembers about Walt's passing and learning there'd be a new park in Florida and that there would be so much more coming in the future. And of course, we reminisce about how it felt for him and my mom to finally get to visit a Disney park. He shares some of his first impressions, how many of the attractions were different, and that one thing he always does last when it's time to fly back to Detroit. This is part one of a two-part episode. So join us on the red car trolley as we take a ride to the crossroads of Maine and Magic. Welcome aboard, everybody. We have a fun episode today. So for many of you out there, your family has been going to the Disney parks for decades. Uh, It's kind of become a vacation that gets passed down through the generations with parents taking their kids and those kids becoming parents and taking their own kids. And it's really not uncommon now to see multi-generational groups at the parks. So back in episode two, Katie and I dove into our earliest park memories from the 80s and 90s. Uh, But before my little brother and I arrived on this earth, my parents spent their first day at the Vacation Kingdom of the World. So today we're going to go back in time over 40 years ago to the Disney Park visit that kicked off Generations of Magic for my own family. And joining me to talk about it is my special guest, Dale Barr, a.k.a. my dad. Hey, Dad. Hello. This is your first podcast recording. Welcome to the audio world of the Internet. <laughs> it's a brave, new, frightening world. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about your first trip to a Disney park, which happened to be Walt Disney World. But before we get into all of that, I want to talk briefly about your exposure to Disney as a kid. Do you remember seeing any of the shows or specials on TV or even Walt Disney himself? We watched The Wonderful World of Disney pretty much weekly. It was sort of a family thing. So early on, Walt died when I was nine. But I remember him, when they were talking about Disneyland, 
um, and the construction of other parks and stuff, I can remember him, they would do it almost like a commercial in between the shows when they had breaks where he would show models and that kind of thing. And then after Walt had passed away, um, I think it was his brother that did it, and they had Imagineers sit in, um, which was really interesting because what's an Imagineer? I mean, it, it gets your brain going because this is a whole new word, and these people are talking about all sorts of fantasy stuff. So we watched it weekly. We watched all the Disney movies, the the shows. I remember the you know, flubber and, and all that. I can remember when I went to the movies to, um, to see some of the, the, the movies on the big screen. And then, um, the TV show was, I think, I want to say it was like Sunday at seven or eight every week. And we were pretty much glued every week. Prime time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. So did you watch Zorro and, Davy Crockett and all those. Yes. Davy Crockett was awesome. I mean, they had, back then they had Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone, all that kind of, you know, I'm, I grew up in the age when Westerns were huge. So any of that outdoorsy stuff and a lot of the stuff Disney did was, was more geared toward outdoor things then. Um, I think that's just because it was those, those times. It was also fun to watch some of his, the movies where they they sort of went forward and had imaginary things, like Flubber. That was just, you know, some of that stuff was just fun to watch. And, I mean, he went back into some of the, like the Jules Verne, too, with the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And it was a great, great movie. I need to that watch it again. That was a movie that all the kids... All the kids my age, they loved that movie. That was a true, like, adventure. And and because it was, when it was set, everything was still considered futuristic. The idea of what they were doing was all futuristic. So the kids all loved that stuff. I mean, you know, we, we were all at that age, like Westerns, space stuff, you know, science fiction stuff. That that was that was the stuff pirates, the stuff that grabbed our attentions. So you're watching this on TV, and you're, I mean, Disneyland opened just about two years before you were born. So it's it's been in existence. So right. when you're seeing Disneyland on TV, do you have any thoughts about it? Like maybe one day I'm gonna go there. Or does it feel like it might as well be on another planet? Yeah, that was, we just assumed watching it, it was on another planet. Ordinary people didn't go across the country on that kind of vacation. You know, you pile your kids in the car and you drive a couple hundred miles and you go camping. Or you rent a little cabin on a lake. Going that kind of distance, nobody, I, I flew on an airplane my first time when I was 12 and I was like a rock star in the neighborhood when I got home everybody including the adults wanted to know about this fantastic thing that I did when I flew with my grandmother 
down to Florida. And when your mother and I flew to Orlando, well, we flew into Tampa, that was only the second airplane flight either one of us had ever been on. I was 21 and she was 20. So it's, it's not like today, you tell that to a kid today and they look at you like, no. But it's like telling my grandson that there didn't used to be an internet. <laughs> looks at you like you're nuts. <laughs> what are you even saying? Yeah, And I'm also just picturing like, I just want everybody out there to know my grandpa was awesome, but he was also he was also a grandpa <laughs> from a certain time in yes. in the world and I'm just I'm imagining the kids being like, "Hey dad, will you take us to Disneyland?" and all I can picture is red from that 70s show. <laughs> just like <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> We're not going there. We're going to go camping and you're going to like it. <laughs> Other than being in Europe in World War II, he didn't leave the state. I think one time they went to Ohio to visit in-laws, but he didn't leave the state of Michigan until I took him to Florida. We stopped in Georgia to pick my brother up when he graduated from boot camp. My father was like, if it isn't in Michigan, I don't need to see it. Didn't go anywhere. Now, when, when I took him to Florida, he loved it. But he just, that was just not the way he was. And really, you know, I think about most of the people growing up in my neighborhood, they were all, you know, lower middle class, factory workers, firemen. Everything, they stayed in the state. They went fishing. So Disney was a fantasy in every way. It was a fantasy to watch on TV. We would watch the parades at the holiday times and just see all the crowds there. And I don't know what I thought in my head. Maybe I just thought those crowds all must live right by it because they didn't go from Michigan there. Yeah. I, I feel like my nephew, your grandson it, to him, it's just, it's probably not even in his head when he's not there. It probably is something that you see on TV until you actually can go there. When you're a kid, you don't have any concept of like the size of the world. Your world is so much smaller than what it actually is when you're a grown up. But okay, so like you said earlier, Walt's still alive when you're a kid. So he passes when you're about nine, which, you know, so you're still kind of young. But do you have any memory of that event because that was actually like a historic event you know i, I remember them talking about it um it was on the news there was speculation of what's going to happen now you know without walt mm -hmm. is, is disney over um you know i remember I remember people talking about it. I remember watching the shows on Sunday night and my mom and dad having that conversation of, you know, you know, I wonder how, if the family's going to keep this going or what they're going to do. Nobody really knew. And they did a good job of keeping things a secret. You know, all the land that they bought in Florida, they used dummy corporations and did everything. So nobody would know. So I think a lot of people watched and wondered because, they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, they've always kind of been a little smoke and mirrors. 
even even now, a little bit smoke and mirrors, you know, they still say something is a definite and then you just won't hear about it again. And everybody will be like, what? Remember that thing? Well, but, I think part of it back then, I don't know if Walt was thinking there might be competition or if, you know, somebody, he, when, when you're dealing with anything, entertainment, corporations, if you're making big moves and they were buying, you know, what they buy, 30 some square miles of Florida, you know, you have to watch because somebody knows you're doing that. They can drive property values up and it can change things. So, so I think that, um, you know, when he passed away, there was probably a very small group that kept the plan alive, but they didn't, um, they didn't say much about it. You know, I did. I do remember that after he passed away, like those little talks and things where he would come out and, and in between the like a, the commercial time, they'd have him sitting on the edge of a desk and he would just talk. They would show, still show some of those every once in a while. They they might have been added it down so it was more like just a conversation for a minute or two, but they they always seemed to interject Walt wherever they could for several years. I always wondered, like, and I don't know if you know this at all because you were a kid, but in my mind, I'm picturing adults watching him on television say that he's going to build this and he's going to do that and showing the Imagineers working on, like, the animatronics and stuff. And I'm just imagining in my head adults being like, this guy's cracked. He's crazy because it was so out of the box. It was it was so otherworldly, like n- no one had ever thought of it before. And he was just like, no, this is happening. He was so determined and like he could see it perfectly clear. And he was like dragging everyone else across the finish line. But you, you have to you have to remember the adults that. I mean, I suppose if you would consider the adults being in the mid-60s, you know, being 30 years old, 40 years old, they were there at a time when somebody drove across the desert in Las Vegas, stopped his car and said, I think we'll build a casino here. And they just built Las Vegas in the middle of nowhere. So the the people back then really believed we could do anything. They were, uh, you know, we, we, we whipped the Germans in world war two. We've had car manufacturing. Um, they were looking at rockets going to the moon. They might've thought the guy was nuts, but they didn't think the guy was nuts. and couldn't do it. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah. When you put it in a historical context like that, it's a, uh... That's true. That's true. Okay, so jumping forward to October 1971, you're a teenager. Do you remember seeing anything about Walt Disney World opening up? Yes. They showed on on TV, they showed they had a grand opening thing. And they showed they and I don't I, they must have used an airplane or a helicopter cuz they did kind of an aerial view of it. Mm-hmm. And then they showed People lined up to get in and all that. And it was, you know, it was a big deal. The news all showed it and everything. Um, Partly because they were talking 
at that point, okay, this theme park is opening up, you know, and that's when it all came out that, you know, this guy bought 30 mile, 33 square miles of Florida. <laughs> so it wasn't just about the park opening. It was about they have all of this land. Now what are they going to do? And at the time they were opening up the Magic Kingdom, they had already started rumors of this is just the beginning. So I do remember that. And then my my sister moved down in 73. Three, she moved to Florida, and I went. I was sixteen. I went down, stayed for two months, almost stayed forever. My mother called and was all upset about it. Are you ever coming home? I'd already actually gone and looked at schools. I loved Florida, but we never went to Disney. They were working. They didn't have you know three cents in their pockets. but being down there, driving around and stuff, because we drove, I drove down with a friend. There were signs on the road and everything, and we all talked about it. And they talked about, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, one of these days we're going to go there. So it, it sort of put it in my head. And then um, after your mother and I got married, the next year we were talking, and I was like, you know, we should just do this. And she was okay. So we just, we flew down. Um, it was Labor Day weekend. We went for a really quick three-day weekend. Labor Day weekend of 1978. 1978. So the park is just a month out from turning seven. So you're in the first decade of its existence. Not to make you feel old. <laughs> yeah. There are many other things that make me feel old. <laughs> okay, so you decide you're you're gonna do it. You're gonna go to the Magic Kingdom. So I I don't necessarily want you to speak for mom, but was she excited or was she just like, Whatever, we're just gonna go do this thing or did she even really know about it? You know, we hadn't really talked. She'd watch Disney from a little kid, too. Remember, the TV, we had like four stations. Yeah. Three American stations and Channel 9 to watch Canadian hockey. That was it. So she grew up on Disney. You know, she loved everything, everything about Disney. So when we talked about going, part of it was, you know, she was, we're going to go down and see my family, you know and hang out with them, and go to Florida. She'd never been. And and we were going to go to, to the Magic Kingdom one day. And and it was funny because neither one of us really knew. We had a different idea about Disney than anything else. We grew up in Michigan. We had Boblo Island. It was a entertainment ride park. I remember Boblo. Mostly I remember the boat to Boblo. Right. And, and it was, you know, it was roller coasters and, and it was basically a carnival on an island. Um, we had Edgewater Park, which was the same type of thing on the west side of Detroit. And we did have Cedar Point. I went to Cedar Point when I was 14 with the teen club from my church. But those were all thrill rides. And we knew from watching the Disney programs and the announcements and all that, that Disney World was different 
This was all based on their movies and characters and cartoons. And that was, that was different. It wasn't, it wasn't a roller coaster place. It was a place of fantasy and imagination and attraction. And it, so we went in sort of wide eyed, you know, I was 21, but when we, I swear, when we drove under the big sign that said Walt Disney World, I was nine. <laughs> and, and I was nine all day long. It was just everything in the, that sign intrigued me. You know, we went in and we parked, and we parked in the goofy area, and then they pick you up in this, this tram that's like 12 cars long. And I was like, they are turning the tram and every, the wheels on every car turned. So it followed the same line like it was on train tracks. And I was just, we hadn't even gotten anywhere yet. And I was enamored that who built this tram? (laughs) This is engineering genius. It must've been an Imagineer. I mean, I didn't know. So the whole thing, you know, and then, and then you pull up to the, the transportation ticket center and the monorails there. Well, this looks like a spacecraft. <laughs> Before we jump to the monorail, I just want to talk real quick. So when you guys went down to Florida, you flew, right? Yes. So you flew, you said in, you flew into Tampa? Yes. Okay. So then you had like a bit of a drive, um, you know. Well, we, we, we both worked midnights. Well, no, afternoons. We got out of work at midnight. We went home and took a shower and went to the airport and got on the airplane at like five in the morning and just pounded coffee and landed at like seven thirty. And my sister and brother-in-law were late, but when they finally picked us up, we stopped and had a quick breakfast and more coffee and went into the park. So, so you're, it was a heck of a day. <laughs> so, Obviously, driving in looks a lot. I mean, just from Open when fields. I yeah, when I worked there in the early two thousands to now, it looks so different. So I'm just imagining it's just open open fields, swampland, ponds, uh, alligators, egrets. It it was the middle of nowhere <laughs> with it, a it really theme park in the middle of it. It was like basically driving through farmland, and then you, then there's this big giant sign that says, you know, Walt Disney World. So Magic you Kingdom. you pull in, you park in Goofy, you get on the tram, you go to the transportation and ticket center. I'm assuming from your previous comment that you chose the monorail over the ferry to get over to the park. <laughs> We've been on boats. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we've never been on a rocket ship on a rail, so heck yeah, we we chose the monorail. <laughs> I might have to make a T-shirt that says we've been on boats. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. <laughs> um, okay, did you buy your tickets at the transportation and ticket center? I'm guessing. Yes. So back then. Yeah, the back then, I mean, this is the time of e-tickets, d-tickets. So you probably, I, I think 
back then you would have paid like a small admission and then you would buy your ticket book, however big of a ticket book you wanted. Yeah, you paid to park, you paid a small admission, and you bought which book you wanted, which, you know, we had, we were going to be there seven hours. I think my sister had been there once, so they kind of knew, you know, the hot rides, but according to them, you know, you're going to want to see everything the first time. So we just bought a book to see everything. And, you know, we were young enough, we had energy. And we had no children to drag around, so, you know, we were, like, on the move. Yeah. And, um, you know, what surprised me was, this is a Saturday, Labor Day weekend. Now that we've been there, I don't know, well over 30 times, might be 40 by now, it wasn't that crowded. It didn't seem that crowded. We waited for, like, 10 minutes to get on the monorail. Um, when we... It was so cool going through the contemporary. You know, we were like watching this building coming up and we're like, we're going into that building. So that was, from the beginning, we were all like, you know, wide-eyed. And and when we got on the monorail, there's nothing but open field. And like I said, it's swampland and whatever. And then we started seeing these topiaries. They had like four elephants in a row from bigger to smaller these bushes all carved to look like elephants. And there was a dragon where it looked like it was coming in and out of the grass and, and ducks and stuff. And it was, and I'm laughing up, you know, I was thinking they have an open field rather than just cut the grass. They spent the time to give you something to look at while you're on the monorail. Yeah. That little, that little detail. And that's the one thing I was really, when I was there, I think that's the thing that set me off was that, there were details and everything. You know, you're in line for a ride and you, and you look around and you realize that everything here is authentic. You know, it's marble, it's granite. It's just the way they did everything. It was so, so real and so well done that, um, you know, to me, it was amazing. We went through the contemporary thought. It's funny. We've never stayed there never had an urge to stay there, but we just thought it was so cool. And then um, the only other hotel there, I think, was the Polynesian. Yep. Those were the only two. And then and then when we got off the monorail and we walked down and you're looking up at the train station and the flowers along that little grass hill and everything, it was, again, the details of everything. It... Um, it really, it really kind of got you warmed up. And I love trains anyway. So that was, you know, for me, some people jump on the train just to get from point A to point B. I get on the train and just ride around in circles. I like just being on the train. So I, I thought that was one of the big highlights for me was seeing that train and, and being able to ride on it. Well, in the front of any other amusement park that you've ever been to does not look like that (laughs) no No. not not at all so you get off the monorail and you go through the turnstiles because this is back when we have turnstiles yep and you are you know coming out from under the train station 
what what's going through your head or do you, do you remember having like a first impression of everything that you're seeing? Yeah, well, you walk it through and there's there's a guy dressed up with a jacket on and with stripes on it. Sort of reminded me of somebody from one of those um, barbershop quartets. And he's selling balloons. And there's people walking all around the circle there. And you look down Main Street and there's the castle. Um, I was so struck by that vision because I'd seen Disneyland. I'd seen somewhat that view from all the parades and things that they showed over the years at Disneyland. Um, that since that first day, anytime we've gone, that's the last thing I look at before we go home. We have park hopper passes. It doesn't matter where we go, or what we do. I've always insisted on being there the last day. That's the last thing I want to see. That view. I always, on the way out, stop, turn around, and look down the street at the castle. Still that nine-year-old in there. And then you board the Tragical Express and head back to the airport with <laughs> tears in your heart. <laughs> and, as you're, and as you're flying and coming in and you look down and there's eight inches of snow on all the cars in the parking lot in Detroit, you wonder what's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to kind of like walk around the park here. Um, how, how did you guys do the park because you have you have ticket books and each ride is is rated as an e-ticket d-ticket c-ticket so did you like run for e-ticket rides or did you just kind of go and just see what you could see and you know kind of do it random we went up main street kind of looked into some of the shops and stuff but not really because we wanted to get back there we made a right turn and went to adventureland um, oh, you went left to I Adventureland. Mean left yeah. yeah. So, so this has always been. So this is just a family habit. <laughs> we just always go left. <laughs> Did it, went, went up the treehouse. I thought it was just so cool. My brother-in-law, he just loved it. He, he. I don't know what it was. It's just really. It's what's a steel tree, but he just loved it. It's cool. It is it's cool. cool. It's uh, I feel like it's an underappreciated attraction because it. But if you actually look at the stuff in there, yeah, 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 and that's you know, I've always well, been and by that stuff. Maybe because you, I guess you. I don't know when that movie came out, but I, it has to have been something that you would have seen as a kid. Yes. So you're probably m- more accustomed to you know, you probably remember more about the movie. So like the things make sense to you, I guess you could say. So we we get off that, we go into, I think we went into what, well, what's now the Tiki Room. It was Tropical, Tropical Serenade. Tropical Serenade. It co- was completely different. I believe slightly shorter. Um, and obviously the voice characters and stuff were different, but it was, Really entertaining. There's no way you could sit through that thing and not have a huge smile on your face. So then we came out and we went went on the Jungle Cruise. The Jungle Cruise has changed because when we went on, all the captains had guns. 
And when the hippos would come out of the water, they'd shoot them. They'd shoot crocodiles. They'd shoot the rhino. They'd shoot whatever they felt like shooting while they were telling, you know, their Disney jokes. And I don't, I don't remember when they took their guns away, but I thought, I just, I just remember that. And, and none of us thought anything of it. We all grew up watching, you know, wild world sports and, and, you know, hunting shows and fishing shows that used to be normal. So having these guys shoot at hippos seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. When me and Katie were talking about, you know, like some of the memories that I have, I, she didn't go until the nineties. So some of the stuff she doesn't have a memory of, but just like the, when I was talking about the Frontierland stunt show and how they were just like shooting each other in the street, I'm like, Disney was so lawless <laughs> in the early days. It was just like, <laughs> it was so kind of funny to think about it. Just a snapshot in time. But yeah, I, uh, that was, I was going to bring that up actually to talk about the jungle cruise. <laughs> Cause yeah, yeah. it was a different, it was a different experience. And, you know, the Disney jokes have always been, you know, they keep everything on the family side. But depending on the captain you got, they they found ways to um, tell a more adult joke that was, you had to read between the lines. So all adults would be laughing and the kids wouldn't know why. It, it it was it was different. It's it's changed a bit over the years. The Pirates of the Caribbean, that's another one. Well, you know, the pirates used to chase the girls. Now they've got girls chasing the pirates with brooms. You know, and it since the movie came out they've they've obviously changed that um that ride, but but that was another, that's another one that we were just we just always have loved. Yeah, me too. I think that's probably in my top five favorite for whatever. I just silly little. I remember the first time, like I have a memory of going on it early in my childhood and thinking I was going to die on it when you go over <laughs> that first hill. Like, so I must have been maybe like six or something. I just remember, I remember like sitting in between you and mom and being like, I'm going to die. There, there's no, we're not locked in. There's no lap bar. <laughs> yeah, and it drops about 10 feet. It, it's 10 it's feet, but then like, I was just like waiting <laughs> for the whole ride for like the big drop that comes at the end. I'm not stupid. I know how rides work. <laughs> yeah. And then it didn't come and we got off and I was like, okay, that's the best ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that I know I'm not going to you know, perish. So walking around to Frontierland, which is completely different and almost non-existent, really. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot over there. There's no Splash Mountain. There's no Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which are really the two biggest attractions there. Now, really. So you walk around, you've got Pecos Bills. You can have whatever, fish sticks or something. And they had a street show. So, you know, Black Bart comes out and says something. And then the guy in the white hat comes out. They have a gunfight. I don't recall him shooting him. I think I think when he shot, he shot his, the gun out of his hands. I don't think he actually, like, drilled him. 
Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I think it was like, you know, uh, you know, quote unquote, stunt shooting kind of thing, yeah. you know, yeah, shot, <laughs> shot the gun out of his hand. And then they, you know, and they had a fake fight and, and he knocked the guy down and, and grabbed him and then hauled him off. And then they'd have, um, they had a little parade that went just through that area. Um, well, really, it was just more like a dance troupe, you know, with the, almost like, um, oh, what was that thing that we went and saw? The Hoop You Do Review. It was almost like that in the street. They had the girls dressed up like the old Western, like bar girls, and they danced and they sang and they did something for a few minutes and then they disappeared. Yeah, well, yeah, because they had the Diamond Horseshoe over there, which was like a dinner show or some kind of meal show that was like before my time. Do you remember like the Country Bear Jamboree? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, always, always one of my favorites. <laughs> just, I just, just loved it. You know, the the one bear that almost looks like he's falling asleep while he's singing. Yeah. <laughs> the big, the big one in the corner. Yeah, that, and that's that's another one where we we pretty much go there every single time. And it's funny because you get to the point where you know exactly what they're going to say and do, but it's still great. And and that was, at that time, to be able to see that many, like, animatronics in one place, it was really a heck of a show in 1978 because we had nothing to compare that to. There was nothing anywhere that we'd ever been that had something like that. Oh, that's like Tropical Serenade, too. Like, I mean, yeah. there's literally like dozens of these tiny little animatronics in there. It was very innovative at the time. It, you know, now we take it for granted. Like, everything should look like a real human. <laughs> but, but yeah, when you're talking you know, 70s and 80s, it's like, what? This is crazy. We, we grew up in Michigan. We, we never, you know, we had amusement parks. We never had anything that had, that had anything like that. That was literally brand new to us. So we were enthralled. Like the Hall of Presidents. You know, the, I, I go in the Hall of Presidents and I'm still just like, some of them look way too real. <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's so cool I can only imagine the kind of work that goes into get that kind of detail but we never you know the country beer jamboree we'd never seen anything like that the funny thing is we went to Tom Sawyer Island and then we walked over to um is it Sam Clemens Fort yep Fort Sam Clemens the fort is just a fort it's a square wood fort, had stairs going up, and you could go through the parapet and walk around one side and come down. And I don't know why, but that's one of the most vivid memories I have. I have a picture of my brother-in-law coming down the stairs. Um, I mean, there really wasn't anything to do there. It was just kind of like, this is what a fort would have looked like, you know, back in 1760 or whatever. And we walked through it, but for some reason... That's one of the memories that stuck with me. Yeah, it's funny what little things you remember. And then it's like, why? Why this one? 
<laughs> and back then you had the Davy Crockett canoes and the yeah. keel boats that were going around the rivers of America, which are gone like long gone now. Yep. And there was the shooting gallery. Yep. It was cut well. It was like BB guns. Yeah. And and there were moving targets and things and and you would shoot at you know, they they have things like that at some of our traveling carnivals now. You have to shoot the star out and all that stuff. But um yeah, I remember the shooting gallery. Kids were lined up. Uh it was funny because kids were walking around with, you know, Davy Crockett hats on. You don't see that at at Disney anymore. There were kids all over the place with Davy Crockett hats. You know, they sold them in the store, the Emporium and all that stuff. Because that was one of the things that people remembered. That show was still on. Oh, yeah, like reruns and stuff. Yeah, the the merchandising has changed because it's all, you know, everything else has changed. Now it's all Star Wars and stuff. And you see, we were just there and the Star Wars area, you got adults walking around dressed up like... Like Jedi's. I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to be me, (laughs) but it's, you know, all I'm saying is don't judge me. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, let's pop over to Liberty Square. So Liberty Square is pretty similar as far as rides go. You have Hall of Presidents and Haunted Mansion. So two yeah. rides, still nothing. Haunt, Haunted Mansion, the, the the entry was a little different. You know, when they greet you, they had a different speech. I can't remember what it was, but that was a little bit different. And then they bring they brought you inside and they held you in a room for a couple of minutes before they opened the doors to have you go into where the cars were. You know, it was sort of a build up for the whole thing. And that that ride, that's another one that I still just. I love it. Always have, and and it's a great ride because it moves a lot of people through. Yeah, constantly moving. So it it's it's a real good. You know, you got a crowd. You can go to that ride, and you know the line could be forever, and you're only going to wait twenty minutes. So that I I always I always love that ride. Now from there, you could take the the Skyway to Tomorrowland from Fantasyland or it would be the Skyway to Fantasyland from Tomorrowland. You know, as soon as you go up the hill and just get into Fantasyland, that's where the Skyway was. And I used to love riding on that. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm not a Ferris wheel guy, but you weren't that high up in the air, so you could float right over the streets and watch people and and see where the big long lines were. And it was just, it was, a, to me, again, it was a ride like the train. It was another ride, it, another attraction. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, just transportation. So I loved that. So we went back and forth on that. We went all the way to Tomorrowland and then just got back on and went all the way back to Fantasyland because we didn't want to miss Fantasyland, but I wanted to go on that. So then we did, you know, Small World and, which is another ride that it's timeless. I always think like, what's my favorite ride there? And 
Oh, I haven't been on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train yet, so I I can't <laughs> I can't say. But I feel like I didn't go to Magic Kingdom if I didn't go on Small World. It's, that's one of the ones we. That's one of the ones we aimed at first. We tried to get on it. We went back to the the Dwarfs Mine ride, and the line was two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. When we when we were there a couple months ago, so that's not going to happen. That's true. We're too close to death now. We have to count, keep all those hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're so coming into Fantasyland. Like we've already you you've been on Jungle Cruise, Pirates, Haunted Mansion, you, you know, Small World. These are all long attractions. They're not three minute experiences. Right. They're like ten, twelve, fifteen minute things. You know, from from the first entrance, like even on Haunted Mansion, like when you first go into the stretching room, like that's when the right. attraction starts for me, yeah. you know, so yeah. that and then you get in the doom buggy and you go around. Did you have any thoughts about that at the time? Like, wow, these are long. They're not short little things. They're actually like a really long experience compared to other things that you might have experienced at the carnival or the state fair or whatever. Well, again, we walked into Disney with a totally different mindset. Everything we'd known up to that point in our life was roller coaster rides. It was all fast. You're on in three minutes and you're off. These we knew were based on cartoons, movie characters, and things. So when we went on the Pirates, it was like they were telling us a story. You were just on like a ride. This was an attraction where there was all sorts of things going on around you, and they were telling you a story. They were leading you through a story. So so we, we did notice, we talked about the fact that, you know, that was cool because you went to here and then they had you go here and you saw the guy in one spot and then you saw him in another spot. So, yeah, we were aware that they weren't short rides, but we knew from the beginning that this was going to be different. Now, we talked a minute before we started recording about there was some stores in Liberty Square that were different. The Christmas store was a perfume, like a make-your-own-perfume store, and then there was also an antique store there that sold, like, actual antiques, which I don't right. know why you would go to Disney to buy antiques, but they they had their theming down, and they were sticking with it. But you remembered actually going in the, the, the perfume store. Yeah, we, we were walking, oh, what's this? We didn't want to miss anything. So we walked in, like we went in the antique store because my father used to deal in antiques. We went in and looked at a couple things, two minutes. And then we went into the perfume store and they were like, oh, you know, showing people you can make your own perfume. And your mom looked at me, you know, and she's like, yeah, this isn't happening. <laughs> she's you know, it's like, I don't want to make some God awful perfume that eats my skin off. <laughs> so, and I don't know if other people had the same thought. You know, so we just, we left. She wasn't going to make her own perfume. She liked what she liked. She didn't need to try to make her own. I do think it's funny that, like, just the whole concept that there was a perfume store in Liberty Square, because 
the whole like imagineering and story of Liberty Square, like there's no bathrooms in Liberty Square and there's like the brown pavement down the middle of Liberty Square that's supposed to represent people dumping their chamber pots into the street. So it's like a river of poop. (laughs) And there's this perfume store there because you needed that majorly Uh back then. (laughs) Yeah. So funny. But okay, so Fantasyland, you have Small World, Peter Pan's Flight. What was that like? Do you remember that? Getting on a boat and like flying above the scenery? Well, again, Peter Pan was a story we'd all seen. I think the original Peter Pan movie, so they came out back in like the 30s. So, we, you know, we all grew up with that story. I love that ride. I still do. Just, you know, being in the boat, you're flying above everything. And all that's because, again, flying through this is telling you... That's a wrap on this episode. Thanks so much for riding the red line with us. And thanks to my dad, Dale Barr, for dropping in to share his early memories from Walt Disney World. Now that you've had a listen, we invite you to join our Main and Magic Friends community on Facebook to share your thoughts about the episode. You're welcome to pop in to share an idea, a story, or a photo and connect with other Disney fans. You can also ask questions, get and give advice, post updates from the parks, and just have fun. Head to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash main and magic to join. If you've got a comment or a question, you can also email me at mainandmagic at gmail.com and you can find us on Instagram at mainandmagic. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share it out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks so much for listening, and of course, in the Disney tradition around here, we don't like to say goodbye, so we say, see you real soon!